Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 18 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And we are happy to be with you here today, this April 2nd, this, uh, yeah, this day after Easter. How was your Easter, Jacob? Did the Easter Bunny did he find you? He did. I, you know, I followed the paw prints. You know, they had a little trail that was sitting around. I don't know how that always keeps popping up. It's there every year. His trail? Yeah, you know, you like got the little gummies that he. You had to on. seek him out. What did yeah. you do when you found him? Well, you know, he left chocolate. <laughs> did you shake him I didn't. Out? You never find him. He's always gone. Mm. He's slippery like that. He's like Carmen San Diego. You think he's there, and next thing you know, gone. Yeah, he's. Had my super had my usual like usual Easter tradition of uh, eating chocolate and watching critters too. So, is that a thing? Yeah. Is that a classic? I was going to ask if maybe you watched like Jesus Christ Superstar, but Critters 2 Critters, is the classic Easter movie? Critters 2. They eat the Easter bunny in that one, or at least a guy dressed like the Easter bunny. Well, spoiler alert. Well, it's a no, crit- not, it, not, Now it's ruined for me. It's a Critters movie. Stuff gets eaten. I'm not making that up. You know, it's just the plot. Fun fact, that's Leonardo DiCaprio's first movie was Critters 3. Is that right? Yeah, he was uh, the I star I didn't realize that you were such an aficionado on, on the Critters world. Like, there's you a, just know. There's like four or five of them, and they're all like canon. Oh, you want to talk about Critters someday. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about Critters. <laughs> we start talking day, about hand puppet uh, monster movies. Now we're in my wheelhouse right there. Like, I'm sorry. You're right. Are in there my... like a million hand puppet monster movies? Sure. It was gremlins, ghoulies, critters. Keep so, going. Don't oh. stop there. Does like Dark Crystal count? No, I would say that's more Muppet and actually like high quality. Like Dark Crystal, I think, is actually good compared to... We're literally talking like sock puppets. There like, is, you just there make is them and they add a sound effect. It's a great. a beautiful journey that I want to take someday, and it is just through the caverns of your mind. <laughs> like, it is it is colorful in there. There's some really dark sections, but it's, it's very it's fascinating. It's kind of like, do you ever see The Cell? It's kind of like walking around in that's that movie. That's very scary. That's a, <laughs> that's a dark movie. Is there just like a horse cut into 10 different layers in your brain like in that There's, movie? There's not not a horse cut into ten different sections. Okay, okay. I enjoyed. I was playing some Jesus Christ Superstar, so that's how I like to spend Easter. That's a good choice too. Jesus Christ Superstar. That's probably all I can do before it's copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I was going to start doing the Technicolor Dreamcoat, but I'm like, oh, that's definitely copyrighted. I don't want to get. Uh, I really do love Jesus Christ Superstar, though. Right? As a musical lover. I am a musical it's lover. It's so good, isn't it? it? The music is pretty catchy in that. I will give you that. Yeah, it's one of the good shows out there. And like, Tim Neely, he was—he did it in the movie, and I actually saw him do it live too. It was real special. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Welcome from, to the Easter. <laughs> from that, before guest. we start talking about Cadbury eggs, we'll get all uh, caught up. So we wanted to do for this episode a part two of um, biopics and biographies because there are just way too many to fit into one episode. There's way too many to fit into two episodes. Turns out there's a lot of interesting people in the world, so. Who knew it? Yeah, who would have figured? I thought maybe today we could start with some of my favorite biography books, and then we could go into movies. Because they're always leading with the movies. I like where your head's at. Also, your hair looks really funny. I didn't realize your headphones do this thing. It makes like a perfect ocean wave out of your hair. Yeah, well, you know. It's always about the flow, man. You gotta See, look I'm going to take a picture of that. We're going to have to post that hair. That's great. <laughs> so, okay. So jumping into books, the first book, uh, this is one of my all-time favorites, 
because it's bananas. And it's called The Professor. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. There it is. <laughs> well done. It's called The Professor and the Madman, a tale of murder, insanity, and the making of the Oxford English Dictionary by Simon Winchester. What? Yeah. Those words don't go together. Right? So the basis of this true story, I mean, it's really masterfully researched. Um, and I feel that Simon Winchester is an eloquent writer Sometimes he makes you feel stupid because he's just he's smarter than most of us. But so it's an extraordinary tale. There is just madness and genius. And it's about this obsession of two remarkable men. And it led to the making of the Oxford English Dictionary. So they began um, compiling it in 1857. And it's one of like the most ambitious projects that's ever been undertaken in the history of the world. And they would have kind of people would send in definitions, um, like all of these great minds. So as all of these definitions were being collected, the overseeing committee, which was led by Professor James Murray, discovered that this one man, Dr. W.C. Minor, had submitted more than 10,000 words. So like this huge portion of the dictionary came from this one man. So they wanted to honor him. So they sought him out, and then when they found him, they found out he's this American Civil War veteran who was an inmate at an asylum for the criminally insane. It's, you know what? That, <laughs> so, that, that tracks. That sounds about right. Absolutely. He wrote most of the, of the OED. So it's a, it's a crazy story. Like I said, there are words used in here. If you need to look up every word you don't know, you're going to spend the whole book doing that because um, Winchester has a really great mind. But the story itself is, is absolutely fascinating. I think the whole story behind the dictionary is fascinating, even when you look at it in like today's modern context. Some of the stuff that gets into the dictionary at this point. Yeah, the, now it's you say a word like six times, and they're like, "It's in." There's <laughs> there's no less than two Simpsons words yeah. that are in there with embiggins and dough. Dough yeah. is in the dictionary, <laughs> and cromulent, which is a joke word about how you know you just well, make it up words. The soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's going to be in the dictionary soon. So it's funny to just watch like. And then, like, how like, they literally changed the definition of literally because people were literally not using Just it the right way. Just literally using it incorrectly all the time. I heard something that, like, irregardless was supposed to be added in, even oh, though that's not a word. Don't. Oh, my God. I, I mean, this is don't what I do hear. It. I, that one is one of those. Like, I know it's part of, like, slang terminology, but, boy, I don't want but irregardless. But it's wrong. You know what one really bothers me? And it's not a word as much as an expression. It's I could care less. And it's supposed to be, I couldn't care less because you literally, literally. <laughs> See, there we go. Couldn't care any less. But people always say, I could care less. And you then know. in my head, I'm like, oh, so that you do care because you could care less. Yeah, I could I'm care less. But, you know, I don't care enough to continue. I think it's actually meant to be a little more insulting than you're taking. I think that you're giving people <laughs> way too much credit in that moment. They're not going that meta on it. Well. I could care less. But I wouldn't bother, which shows you that I couldn't possibly care any less than the little less myth that I do. Well, Science. I could care less that you think that, Michelle. Well, then it means that you care. Let's move on. This is just <laughs> We're awful. getting lost in our own back and forth banter. We, are we, we really doing? are. Do you have a book you can recommend? I do. It's, you know what? It's, the, it's coming up on baseball season. Not my favorite sport, but one of the best ones out there. You know, it's America's pastime. You're a sporting guy. I am a sporting guy. So I actually have two related to that. Um, I'm going to go with the first one, uh, since we're doing biographies here, is the most famous Yankee of all time. Most people Babe think Ruth. Babe Ruth. It's Lou no, Gehrig. 
all very good options. But if you talk to real Yankees fans, yeah. they will tell you that Yogi Berra is basically okay. the big icon of Yankees. So Bad if you don't name. know who he is, um, he was their catcher from 1946 to 1965. He had 10 world championships over that time and is also responsible for some of the best quotes in sports history. Almost 100% guarantee you've heard a couple of them like throughout your life. Uh-oh. Uh, the future isn't what it used or ain't what it used to be. It gets late early out there. If you come to a fork in the road, take it. Like, uh, take a fork? Yeah. It, uh, more famous, it ain't over till it's over. That was a I mean, Yogi Berra quote. It ain't over till the fat lady sings, I know. I don't really know any of these. You got to start reading or watching more sports, Michelle. You're falling behind the times here. Do I? You're only 70 <laughs> years behind the times on these quotes. But, um, yeah, Yogi Berra is considered one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Okay. Uh, one of the best. Uh, he's actually a very good manager. He's the only guy or was the first guy to take a team in the American and the National League to the World Series. Um, just an overall fascinating guy um, overall in life. So since the Yankees are the top baseball team in the world, sorry, Boston, uh, it's one of the ones to check out from one of their best personalities. Um, before everything becomes Jeter-centric, which it's going to be in the very, All right. very near what future. What else we got? I have to sit through another one of these sports books. Just yeah, that's, that's another Yankees book for you, too. So then we go with uh, 1977 Yankees had a book called uh, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bronx is Burning. It's about the 1977 Yankees baseball season. Okay. But it also talks about New York because that was a very interesting year in New York in general. It's the year they had their major blackout. They had their heat wave going on. There's all kinds of social upheaval. So this book kind of deals with the um, players on the team as well as its impact on the city and just kind of the overall tenor and tone of the time, which, you know, 70s were kind of a contentious time, especially in New York City. You think of a New York now, like the way it's kind of like Disneyland for, you know, mm -hmm. the Northeast. Not what it was back in the 70s. What was, was the name of this book? Did uh, you say it? Ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning. Oh, okay. And then th it was also made into a TV movie by ESPN also called the Bronx is burning so okay get your baseball Yankee centric stuff on. get it. ready it's oh. it's supposedly spring yeah the, the the I never said the name of the Yogi Berra book it's uh, Yogi the autobiography of a baseball player by Yogi Berra so go check that one out that's funny because there's a book called the autobiography of a Yogi which is like a famous meditation oh. I'm gonna well, I wonder we'll if we'll you talk actually about that later. switch that off <laughs> it's, it's different um okay so ones I want to recommend um this is, was a pretty popular book, but it is amazing. It's called Just Kids by Patti Smith. Um, so Patti Smith is a musician. She's an artist, a poet. She's everything. She was definitely like New York City um, when it was like the coolest time. I feel like she's lived the coolest life. But she gives like this never-before-seen glimpse of her remarkable relationship with photographer uh, Robert Maplethorpe, who's also was really uh, famous. And it's just their life in New York City in, in the Chelsea Hotel in the late 60s and 70s where like everybody who was anybody made like a pit stop there and lived there for a period of time. And it's just it's really honest. It's moving um, a story about youth and friendship. And it's just really unique. It's very lyrical. She's a phenomenal writer. And I will say that I'm not a huge fan of Patti Smith's music, so mm -hmm. it's not like I grabbed that book because I'm a fan of her music and I wanted to learn more about her. Just a friend of mine was just like, you have to read it. it she just writes so well, and it was. It was just an absolutely wonderful book about, you know, a lot of the characters I didn't really know anything about, but I loved it. I've recommended it to people who don't know Patti Smith, and everybody's really loved the book. So I highly recommend that. 
Um, I'm going to just spit a couple out. I mean, of course, we've talked about Into the Wild a lot because we talked about the movie last week. But the book by John Crotcher, I think, is is really great. Um, and we talked about it's the story of Chris McCandles, who ended up mm-hmm. hi- hitchhiking to Alaska, um, where, you know, he was only there for four months. He, he went to Alaska. He kind of created this whole new life for himself. But four months later, um, you know, his decomposed body was found by a moose hunter. And it's really just this unforgettable story about... Um, you know, how he died and the compelling mystery that led up to it. And that kind of unravels into like a larger riddle. And it, it, I feel like it kind of explains the profound pull of the American wilderness on our imaginations, because I feel like everyone at some point has just kind of thought about like getting up and just walking and like going somewhere or the idea of living off the land and I feel like that's appealing to a lot of people, especially those of us kind of stuck behind desks all day, oh, and, sure. you know, in cement blocks. So I think the book also kind of helps to think, uh, you know, it might not be a great idea. You might want to rethink, you know, or maybe not go to the extreme. As I mean, much it's really one. difficult because I feel like he, he felt like he was prepared and that he had learned a lot about, you know, things that you could eat and how to build shelter, things like that. But still, it didn't end well for him. Yeah, it, no, it didn't end well at all. It ended up quite terribly. See, you should have been watching some Survivor Man on Discovery Channel. Oh, is been. that right? Is yeah. that with Bear Grylls? No, no, no. Bear Grylls is the guy who's unnecessarily eating worms. This one is oh, one just, with, just snacking? Yeah, this one is just they drop <laughs> a, this Canadian dude off in the wilderness and he's got to film himself living in the woods for a week. I watched that one where the, the it was the two guys always and the one was always barefoot. Do you oh. remember that show? No, I don't. Oh, he was barefoot, like, in the winter. He said his feet were so tough he didn't need shoes. It, mm-hmm. it seemed kind of stupid. Yeah, that's a little unnecessary. <laughs> like, I don't believe you. I think you're putting yeah, on boots as soon as that camera goes you're off. You're lying. Um, and another book um, that maybe people haven't heard of, but it has a little touch of buffalo in it, is called Walden on Wheels, in On the Open Road from Debt to Freedom by uh, Ken Ilgunis. So it's his story about just the the existential terror that you feel and that he felt after graduating from UB UB with $32,000 in student debt and he kind of sets himself on this ambitious on ambitious mission to get out of debt as quickly as possible um and he was really inspired by Thoreau you know, and his kind of frugal lifestyle. So he undertook this three-year transcontinental journey. He went to, like, Alaska to be a tour guide. He was a garbage picker. He was a night cook, yada, yada, to pay off his student loans um, before he hitchhiked home to New York. And then he enrolled in a master's program at Duke University. And he really didn't want to borrow again, like, against his future and graduate and be in this horrible mess. So he used the last of his savings to buy himself this used um, van, and he outfitted it as his dorm, and then he parked like in the campus parking lot and created his own sort of Walden on wheels and then just mm. lived in this van, and it's this, it's that story, um, and it's really awesome. Like, you know, it wasn't easy, and like, he's can, in this small space, no, but he managed. I mean, he was definitely chased by campus police quite a lot, too, um, but it's, it's, a, it's definitely a motivational story, and I think it's great for any young person thinking about going to college, especially now because of the debt. I mean, you leave with these crazy debts, these numbers I can't even comprehend. I was kind of like, it was amusing. He said $32,000 in debt. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem really that bad. Yeah, nowadays. It's kind of like, like, oh, that's a semester now. Like, you could probably just get like a regular job, buddy, and pay that off normally. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's one of those 10-year programs. Get that all knocked out. Yeah, but and then to go to graduate school, I oh, mean, it's, oh, yeah. it can be really crippling for people. So yeah, I find that that's a good book for you. Don't even need to be in school though to kind of appreciate what he's done. 
No, and you know what? I mean, considering I'm old now and I'm still paying my student loans and will be, <laughs> there's no real end in sight. It's, there's never, so, it's never over. It's never no. gonna end. So, what do you? What else you got? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. Uh, let's go with one that you should enjoy before he ends up gets thrown in jail. So always go check out the Social Network, the book and the movie. Because <laughs> okay. Zuckerberg is it's gonna. Not have, lo- it's not looking great it's for gonna Zuckerberg be a, yeah, right now. There's gonna be a new chapter to the end of that book. Let me tell you, it's not gonna end the way that that movie does. And you know what? After watching some of the personification, it's like, you know what? Maybe this guy needs to go away. He's kind of a jerk if you actually like find out his real story. I mean, I heard that the movie wasn't really completely accurate about his personality, so maybe the book is, is a little better. Well, I sure hope not because he comes off like a straight jerk in that movie. Like, I mean, but at the same time, I feel like people were trying to take credit for something that maybe it, they did have like an idea of it, but he definitely created it. So, I don't know. That was actually a really surprisingly good movie. Well, it's David Fincher. Anything it's da- true. David it's a Fincher. Fincher. It's even he made an alien movie that, even though it's terrible, was at least watchable if you watch his version of yeah, it. Yeah, no, so. I disagree with that. That is a terrible alien. That's Alien Three, right? Oh, that's the one. Oh, that movie is bad, Jacob. Stop I it. I didn't say don't it was tell bad. listeners to watch it. I didn't say watch it. I said it's not horrible. It's not. I guess great. in someone else's hands with that script, better, it could have been worse. It's better but. than Alien Resurrection. I'll give you that much. Okay, so yeah, Social Network. I read that. You know what? If you want to be, you said Patty Smith and you wanted an interesting story. Mm-hmm. If you want to be absolutely revolted and oh, disgusted by a period revolted. of music, go pick up The Dirt by Motley Crue. It's a book that Ew. they wrote. Of, oh, oh, do I need do I need to pick up some penicillin too to read this book? <laughs> You're going to need more than penicillin <laughs> okay. when you read this book. Uh, it's absolutely disgusting. These guys are three <laughs> of the most, ho- four of the most horrible human beings I've ever, I read the entire book. You but is it fun to read? Yes. You okay. can't put it down. But okay. it, there's more than a couple moments in there. You're like, these scumbags are mm-hmm. like, you're like looking at, like, how are any of you even alive? Vince Neil, Tommy Lee. In case you guys don't know, Motley Crue is one of the biggest rock bands of the 80s. Oh, they know. But, man, like, you think that, like, you have the dirty rock star image in your head. I can't even literally talk about it on this show. Some of the stuff that is in that book, it is so revolting. All right, sweet. But I hope I've piqued your interest because... Once you start reading it, you'll be like, I got to know what's going on here. I got to know all the gross details. Yeah. Oh, oh. You read it and you come back to me like, <laughs> I do. Oh. Well, I'm like, I'm remembering some of it. I'm like, Yeah, look, you, you look like you have PTSD let's, from let's, reading this book. Let's so. move on. Let's get to right. something a little cheerier. So um, I'm going to mention quickly the book Unbroken by Laura Hillebrand. That was really popular, so I'm sure a lot of people have read it. But um, it's about Louis Zamperini and his... Um, his journey from running in the Berlin Olympics to um, being a soldier in World War II. He was an airman. His flight crashed in the Pacific Ocean, which he survived. But then he's found adrift on a on a raft um, by you know the enemy at the time and is put in a prison camp. It's Japan. We all remember who. Yes, and I just you know they're not the enemy now. Now they're the best. <laughs> but it is a book about hope and resolve. It has humor. Um, there is a lot of brutality in it, but the the rebellion in it is pretty uplifting. So if you haven't read it after hearing about it for so long, you should check it out. I'm going to go into a couple other kind of prison camp sure, books. Sure, knock it out. This one, this is crazy. It's called Escape from Camp 14, One Man's Remarkable Odyssey from North Korea to Freedom in the West by Blaine Hardin. Okay. And this is about Shin Dong-kyuk, and he is the only known person to be born inside a North Korea prison camp and to have escaped. So I don't know what 
you follow about North Korea. I'm super obsessed with North Korea. I've read many books about them because once I started, I was like, I didn't know anything. But their their political prisoner camps have existed like twice as long as as the gulags, 12 times as long as like Nazi concentration camps. Hmm. They're very similar to that, but they just keep going on. Um, and you know, no one that's ever been in it has been known to escape except him. And so he really discusses the repressive totalitarian like state um, that that country is in, and the way that these people suffer in these in these prisons. So, North Korea itself has you know is known to be like a hungry, bankrupt country. They're armed with nuclear weapons. It's a total human rights catastrophe, and that there's between 150,000 and 200,000 people who work as slaves in these political prison camps and you can see these camps through they're very clear through satellite photos Mm -hmm. like the areas that they are but north korea the government denies that they exist yeah it's like no we don't have prison camps like it's not there i don't know what you're talking about totally it's like it's a hidden dystopia um so it's you know an incredible story about his escape everything that went on there and then another one is we talked about before is first they killed my father which is a daughter of cambodia remembers by leong ung and it's about how in 1975 in cambodia cambodia pol pot's Khmer rouge um, the army stormed the city and it forced her family to flee and eventually they all got separated and she was trained as a child soldier in a work camp for orphans her siblings were sent to labor camps um, and then those who survived the horrors of the Khmer rouge weren't reunited until after they were destroyed and I feel like the Khmer Rouge is just, it, I don't remember ever learning about it in high school. And it is one of the most horrible times in history. Um, between 1975 and 1978, an estimated 2 million Cambodians died by execution, forced labor, and famine. Oh, yeah, it was a horrible genocide that went on over there. I feel like I didn't really get the grasp of it until I went to Cambodia and was like walking through the killing fields in I mean, it's just absolutely horrible. But what they did is they took like all of the most well-educated people in the country, and those are the people that they killed, yeah. and they left the farmers. So after this was over, Cambodia went from like a first-world country to a third-world country because everyone that could read and write was just like dead, pretty much. Yeah. So they've really had to start over. Um, yeah, it's it's a horrible story, but I think important to know. So I definitely recommend checking out that book. Such happy topics. We're happy topics. Do you, uh, do you have anything? Because I have like a million more. I do. I got, I'm going to go with uh, real quick. Uh, like Carrie Fisher, you know, unfortunately died this past year. Big yes. star of the Star Wars series. So she actually was a very accomplished author and playwright. So she wrote a bad tea there. Michelle. Yeah, sorry. It was, it, my tea got cold. So <laughs> uh, it was real gross. Um, but she actually wrote a series of biographies and autobiographies because she actually had a problem with addiction in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, drinking, pills, drugs, all that kind of stuff. Probably, you know had something to do with her death um so it's one of those stories that she just kind of is very open about her battles with mental illness and addiction but she also comes at it from a very you know humorous and lighter take it's not as dour as the subject matter would make you think and she's a very good writer very accomplished um at all that kind of stuff a better writer than she was an actress but that's a different that's a different <laughs> Especially story in the last movie yeah but exactly i don't want to insult her but um yeah her main topic or her first autobiography wishful drinking was also adapted to a one-woman play um she put it on hbo mm-hmm. so it's out there on dvd so yeah go check out the carrie fisher books if you okay to check out yeah i've always heard good things about them uh so here's another book that i think maybe a lot of people haven't read that's awesome and it's called genghis khan and the making of the modern world by jack weatherford okay so he kind of resurrects the history of genghis khan 
and just the story of his relentless rise through a Mongol tribe culture to the, you know, waging of his devastatingly successful wars um, and just created like an explosion of civilization, um, you know, through the Mongol Empire. And that, so what's crazy is, I mean, there's a lot of harsh things to read in the book about what Genghis Khan did and what his soldiers did specifically to women there oh. was a lot of that going on but because of that right now in today's times currently as many as 0.5 percent of the world's male population um are most likely descendants from Genghis Khan because there was like a 700 year um or it's like 700 years ago and yet still hmm. um there's about so that averages to about 16 million or so men have the nearly identical Y chromosome sequence of Genghis Khan. So you might actually be related to that Genghis Khan. Is, that's an impressive fact. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's horrible crazy. the way it happened. But when you look at those kind of numbers, 700 years later, still 16 million people. It's like, it's, it's pretty impressive. Man. Uh, that's, yeah. He, that's how you leave a legacy. But right like, there. so it's, it's kind of like you're always like, Genghis Khan is a bad man. And I'm not saying that he's not. But reading the book, I was like, I have a well, little bit of respect for Mon- like what you did. There's a lot of bad men and people that have. You know, the, the Mongolian ruled. Empire is like three times the size of Alexander the Great. So it's, it's like the really, largest empire in history. Yes, so it's, it's really crazy. Considering how long ago it was and the size and where he you know started from. Yes, incredible. Like check it out. And then I'm gonna go to another country. I want to recommend Persepolis by Marjean. Uh, Serapi, do you know that one? Is that the one that made the graphic novel? Yeah, it is a graphic novel, um, but it's the story of her childhood and coming of age um, in Tehran during the Islamic Revolution. Again, something I just am ignorant of and I didn't really know a lot, and it's the the contradictions between private life and, and public life because she kind of started off and, you know, Tehran looked like here. You know, it was just women with long flowing hair and people kind of dressed very hip. It was very stylish. And then when this happened, that's when, you know, it became women couldn't really speak out. Women had to wear headscarves. She ended up kind of leaving and went um, to Vienna for a while. Um, And then just when she came back, seeing that the change in her country. And it's a really um, amazing story of her adolescence. It's outrageous. But it is still familiar because you're just watching a girl grow up and it's really intertwined with the history um, of her country. It can be really raw. It can be really heartbreaking. It's an excellent story. I don't think, even if you aren't into graphic novels, I don't even think that that's really distracting. Um, it's Enhances just good. Enhances it, really. Yeah. And it made, they made it into a movie, too, which looks exactly like the, the graphic novel. It's drawn in the same way. So I feel like that was an Academy Award nominee, the movie. So. I don't remember, but it, it very well could have been. It, but it's a, it's, a really great, it's a really great story. All right, sweet. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go rapid fire real quick because we're running out of time, as okay. always. Yeah, I don't even think we're gonna get to too many movies. That's I don't for think sure. we're gonna get to like any. Like any of yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Cause we, you know, we cover that every week, so yeah. it's better to go on to books. Um, three real quick ones. Uh, last words. It was a George Carlin book. One oh. of his last ones before he died. Oh, I should so, check that out. Yeah. I love him. One of my favorite comedians of all time. And last words is basically. You know, he did an observational kind of humor. It's very popular nowadays. So if you listen to modern comedy, he was one of the people that kind of blazed the trail for that. His stuff is just everlasting. Like it's you still read funny. it, yeah, you it's it's funny, but I'm like, oh, it's still timely. He's mm-hmm. not even around, and he still made the most timely jokes. Yeah, and like they still work today. Um, Absolutely, he wrote a couple of books, but Last Words was his um, the one, no, his last one before he died. You know, given the title and stuff. So definitely one to go check out. Um, if you've never seen his humor. 
you know, you're missing out on the finer things in life. You need to, you need to get on that. It's bro. true. Just go on YouTube. I bet you can find something right now. Oh, 100% that you can find something on there. Um, because I love to annoy you, Michelle. Oh. <laughs> go pick up the three books by Chris Jericho, uh, professional wrestler, rock star, TV host. One of the tops of all time. He's got See, three autobiographies at this point. This is why we need to create, we're going to create an email or a Twitter or something because <laughs> I need to know that other people are sick of you talking about wrestling things. They, they need will, them to tell me. They will never be sick of it. They'll I wonder. Like, we, we need more based on the ratings. It's debatable. And then uh, last one. This one's actually, you know, we mentioned we know movies. So we got a movie TV combo. Private Parts, the Howard Stern autobiography and movie. Oh, I actually liked that movie. The movie I was so good. It. Yeah, the movie was so good. Did you I, read the book? Uh, no, but I just was like, the movie, if the book's anything like the movie, let's go for it. Okay. Um, Howard Stern, easily the biggest disc jockey in history. I don't think there's any debating that. Still going strong today um, on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Basically kicked off that entire trend. Okay. Um, it's basically about how he basically became the biggest DJ in New York in early in the early 90s. And it continues to be that way pretty much to this day. So if you never read his story or don't know anything about him, you know, you read the book, check out the movie. They both get the same idea. Both are I kind of forgot awesome. that he exists anymore. It is kind of hard, but then you remember that, like, he got like three stations of satellite radio. He has a billion-dollar contract with him. His oh. ratings are <laughs> he's still, doing okay. Yeah, I don't need rating, to worry about Howie. He's he's kicking. He's yeah, his okay. ratings are okay. still through the roof. He's still a huge <laughs> in the zeitgeist, even though it does seem like he's not as big as he used to be back in the day. So Okay. Go check it out. So I'll just do a couple rapid fire as well. I recommend The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Um, it, it is a biography, but not really standard. It's her kind of exploring this intensely personal yet universal experience um, of her marriage and her life, the good times and the bad. Um, and her husband ends up dying. And like around the exact same time, her daughter falls so ill that she's in a coma. And it's just like what Didion is experiencing in those moments. And it's a really powerful book about love and loss. Um, I, I, again, just have to throw out biographies. Yeah, The Notorious RBG, The Life and Times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg by Iron Cameron and Shauna Knisnik. Possibly. (laughs) Um, Nailed it. Again, it's just, I have to keep saying it because nearly half a century into this woman's career, this, you know, most I'll say most famous octogenarian there is has just kind of like won the internet for lack of a better expression because people who you know weren't even born when she first made her name as a feminist pioneer I mean people have like tattoos of her face all over them um, a lot of her searing descents have been made into music which is awesome there's a ton of viral videos about her so the book has all that it has annotated descents which is really interesting and some Uh, rare photos and documents and illustrations so it's great check it out Um, and then I'll end on on the lightest note possible is Naked by David Sedaris I think everyone loves David Sedaris he has an unmistakable voice and I feel like he's one of the freshest um, in American writing and his life has been strange and outrageous and hilarious and yeah he's coming to Buffalo too I think next week or the week after is it really oh yeah I'm going Octogenarian. Get ready, fight. Kelly. We're gonna see David, and we love him. So, well, we, so we didn't get to any movies. That's all right. Should we I, do it next week, or should we not? We'll debate. We, we it. work it in. We're gonna we'll talk about it. We'll get movies. In you there. can always send. Uh, you know, you can write on the Facebook. Let us know if you think we should do more. We have like a, a ton more really great biography movies, so maybe we will. But I'm glad yeah. we got some books out. And don't forget, everybody, all the stuff that you heard us talk about this week and all booked up is available at your local library. Oh, so that's go convenient. on, go that's on so down convenient. and pick it up. 
DVDs, movies, books, just go on down, pick them all up for free at your local library. Sure. Um, you can also find us online um, through the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's Twitter and regular page, uh, buffalolib.org. So, you know, feel free to send us some questions yeah. or comments. And we're on it. SoundCloud and iTunes, most places you can get uh, your podcast. And now it's great. Jordan actually just walked in the room. Um, so, so squeaky. So, you. Jordan, you can be part of this uh, this final bit here. Um, it's, it's a pretty important question. We wanted to really just honor Easter that just passed. I, actually, I have, I have to work myself up to this. It's a little bit of shame. But, you guys, what does the Easter bunny order at a Chinese restaurant? Anything? You got anything over there? It's awful. Why? No. What? Low me. So the Easter Bunny orders at a Chinese restaurant. Hapsui. Oh my God. It's bad. Oh, oh. I actually. I'm let's gonna. Go, okay. Let's go back to low. I'm gonna leave you guys. Thanks a lot for having me, though. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.